Good evening, Newark family, and welcome once again to our evening devotions. And let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us and how you are continuing to sustain us during this time. We thank you for your provision and your protection and how you are there with us, even in a time of darkness. I pray that we would turn towards you and put our hope and our faith and our trust in you, that we would trust in you as the light of the world and that your light would shine through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight, I want to share with you what I consider to be one of my favorite stories about light. I have the chance to bring the last devotion this week as we're talking about living as the light. And so it made me think, as I was preparing for this, of a story I read years ago that fascinated me about a little village, and I want to share this with you. You've probably never heard of the small town of Viginella, Italy. Founded by a bishop in 1217, it lay in a steep-sided alpine valley not far from the Swiss border, so it's very, very north in Italy. It had a small church, a medieval tower, and a pretty little square where the town's inhabitants would gather around a fountain to celebrate the annual feast of the Virgin Mary. But here's what's fascinating. The little town of Viginella, Italy had a problem, a really big problem. Each year, on November 11th, the sun would disappear behind a 1,600-meter-high mountain just to the south of them, leaving them, you ready for this, in near total darkness for 84 days in a row. Flowers would die. The temperature would plummet. Laundry would take forever to dry out on the line. And the people of Viginella dreaded the arrival of winter. They would take a look at the sundial drawn on the face of their church and they would sigh. And then many of them would become very sleepy and they would become sad, as in seasonal affective disorder. A condition whereby the lack of sunshine reduces people's production of melatonin, a natural hormone, and it makes people depressed. If you don't get enough sunlight, you will be extra sleepy, you will be extra moody, and you will be extra depressed. So imagine a village in northern Italy where every winter the sun disappears behind the mountain for over 80 days in a row. But the people of Viginella did not care what the doctors said. The young and the brave simply left town, leaving only the elderly behind. And fewer and fewer children were born into this village until Viginella faced the threat of extinction. But one day, however, a brave young man decided that he had had enough. His name was Pierfranco Medali, and he was a railwayman. But instead of just jumping on a train to seek the sun somewhere else, Medali got himself elected as the town mayor, and he came up with a bright new idea. He decided that he was going to bring the sun to Viginella. Most of the other residents just shrugged at him and thought he was crazy. Oh yeah? And how do you intend to bring the sun to Viginella? And here was Medali's response. I am going to build huge mirrors up on the mountainside to the north, and they're going to reflect the sun's rays down onto the village. Pretty crazy, huh? For seven years, Medali worked and worked on his bright idea, and he traveled all around different areas, begging local authorities and private sponsors to give him the money that was needed to put this into practice. And then finally, this is a true story, finally, on a cold late November morning in the year 2006, 
a helicopter suddenly appeared on the horizon carrying a massive mirror that was eight meters wide by five meters tall. That's a little over 24 feet wide by 15 feet tall. This is a massive, massive mirror. Workers installed a powerful computer that would move the mirror around and capture the sun's rays to convey them down on the town square for up to eight hours a day during the wintertime. The town inhabitants began to smile. They bought themselves a pair of sunshades, and they began a big inauguration party scheduled for December 17th to celebrate, you ready for this, the arrival of the first winter's sun in over 800 years. It's a pretty amazing story. It makes me think about the time we're living in right now because we're living in a very dark time, a very scary time. Right now, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of people worried about a very unknown future, whether that's with their health, whether it's with the safety of their families, whether it's with their job situation, and it's completely understandable. And then looming in the background for many people as we continue to read or as we hear from others and as we get updates and maybe you've heard things on the news or some other source, there is the very real uncertainty of an impending death. Yes, many people are able to recover from this coronavirus, but we also see many others who tragically are not. And they're dying alone and they're dying scared and they're dying without their family. And it looks very, very dark right now, worldwide. And it's interesting that we're doing this devotion today because it reminds me that what we're facing right now is not unlike what another group faced this weekend nearly 2,000 years ago. It's Saturday night. And tomorrow, Sunday morning, April 12, 2020, we are going to celebrate what we call Easter Sunday. We are going to celebrate our future hope. We're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ and that he has conquered death. But take your mind back with me for a moment 2,000 years ago, and it's Saturday night. It's the night before what we are going to come to call Easter. And you have a group of people, disciples of Jesus, who are very scared. And they're in hiding. You see, Jesus is dead. He's been executed as a criminal without a fair trial. And the reality for most of them, as the leader of a quote-unquote failed re revolt, if you will, a revolution that never got off the ground, a kingdom that was never reestablished, and now their leader was brutally executed in an ugly fashion in front of everyone, and they're in hiding, and they're scared for their lives because they're probably next. And they don't know what's going to happen. And now they have no future. And all their hopes have been dashed. And they don't know where to turn. And this is my personal feeling, but I believe on that Saturday night, almost 2,000 years ago, as those disciples were in hiding and wondering what to do next, it was very likely the darkest night of their life. There we go. 
first attempt didn't work. It's amazing what one little light will do. I'm going to light a candle. It's just below the camera. You probably can't see it. There we go. But if the room is totally dark and there's only one source of light, and I realize right now that it's very low, and you can just barely see my face as you're watching this video. Notice, though, even in this low light, you're drawn to my face. Because it's the only source of light. And when it's pitch black and there's a total absence of light, even the smallest amount of light is where you'll draw your attention to. Somehow, the next morning, as those disciples got up and they heard this scary, wonderful, could it be kind of news that Jesus was still alive, hope was reborn. It's amazing what one simple source of light can do. But here's what's even more amazing about it. It didn't have to be just one source of light. Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. And here's why. Because you will have a light that leads to life. If you follow me. Lights don't have to be alone. And Jesus was not the only light. That's a little below the camera line, so you can't see it. But I'm beginning to light some other candles on this table. We don't have only one source of light. Let's go back to our focus verse this week. It comes out of Matthew chapter 5, verses 14, 15, and 16. And it says, You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. So I'm going to continue lighting some more candles here. And hopefully, you'll see on the video that it's beginning to get brighter and brighter in here. And imagine these light sources as representing us as we reach out to other people. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. There we go. Starting to get a little better, isn't it? So that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Let these good deeds shine out. So let me ask you this. How are we the light of the world? What was Jesus talking about when he said, you are the light of the world? We are the light of the world because his light lives within us. Let me read you another passage found in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. It says, for once... You were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live 
as people of the light. Hopefully, even in a dark time like right now, we're learning to live as people of the light. And hopefully, we recognize that we're not alone. Jesus isn't the only light of the world. He is the real source of light. But then he's reflected in us. And we have a chance to become the light of the world as well. Because he lives within us. How are we able to exercise this right now? How is it that we can be the light of the world? Well, let me give you a few suggestions as I continue to light these candles. Number one, make sure that every day you are spending time with the light source. Now more than ever, it's extremely important that you spend time every day in prayer, that you spend time every day reading the scripture. You've got to make sure that you are connected to the light because remember, there's a dark world out there right now. It's a scary place right now. And people need hope and they need encouragement and many people don't know where to turn. But when they interact with you, they should see the light of the world that's reflected in you. So spend time every day connected to that light source. Secondly, we need to slow down and breathe. It's scary right now for many people. It's unknown. There's a lot we're not sure what to do. And we need to wake up every day and we just got to take a breath. We need to wake up every day and we need to breathe and put our trust in God. And we need to be calm. And if you allow me to use this word, we need to learn to be centered and we need to turn our focus to him. So just slow down and breathe. Here's the next thing you can do. It's really simple. It's very practical. It's extremely important. Right now, more than ever, you need to smile at everybody you talk to. People are very tense. And if you'll just slow down and you'll take the time to be kind to people. And the easiest way to do that is to start with a smile. Just smile at everybody you talk to. And then be kind in all your interactions when you're frustrated, when lines are long, when you have to stand outside the door and stand six feet apart and they're only allowing a few people at a time and people are agitated around you and you get to the store and you can't find everything you're looking for because they're not able to keep everything stocked exactly they want and maybe you can't get your favorite brand to fill in the blank, whatever it may be. Take a breath, smile, and be kind to everyone around you. We're all in this together. They're facing the same frustrations that you are. So even when people may be ugly back to you, don't respond to them in kind. Instead, respond with the light. The next thing you can do is look for bright spots to share. When it was pitch black a moment ago and then I lit just one candle, your eyes were drawn to that source. And now I've lit a lot more candles on here. And as we work together, we spread brightness and we spread hope. So as you find encouraging articles, as you hear positive testimonies, as you reach out and you talk to others and you hear good news, be sure to share that with everyone you can right now. Continue to spread light. Continue to spread hope where you can find it. And then finally, and especially this weekend as we celebrate Easter tomorrow, make sure that you are looking forward to your future hope. Make sure that tomorrow you take extra time to celebrate the fact that this world and its current broken state is not all that we have looked forward to. This world right now and all of its fear and its anxiety and with all of this sickness that's going on is not all that we have to look forward to. We have a future hope. 
Tomorrow we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We celebrate that death has been swallowed up in light. Tomorrow we celebrate that our Savior came back from the dead, raised himself from the dead, and then put that hope in us. Jesus is the first fruits of our resurrection. And we know that if we live for him, and if his spirit abides inside of us, then one day, one day we will rise to be like him. So this is not the end. And so even in dark times, I say, look up, child. Keep your head up. Look forward. Stretch towards that horizon. Recognize there is still a future and there is a bright hope that lies before us, even in the temporary darkness that we face. So as I close out tonight, let's go back to that town of Viginella. That story fascinates me because can you imagine growing up in a village where every winter, when you got to November, all of a sudden the sun would crest behind that mountain and you knew that for almost the next three months there was going to be no sunlight. Would you want to live that way? No, I imagine you wouldn't. I certainly would not want to live that way. And I know the people in that town did not really want to live that way either. That's why eventually there was someone, and we're talking about something that happened in 2006, just 14 years ago. Eventually, someone came up with a solution, was able to implement something so that little town in northern Italy could have sunlight year-round. You wouldn't want to live in the dark. And neither do your neighbors. Don't let them live in the dark. Let me ask you this. Are you living with the light on? Can everyone around you See the hope that resides within you. Can they see even in a dark and scary time that there's something good coming ahead? That they don't have to be by themselves. And that you can turn them towards the true source of light. As Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. And if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. So live with the light on so others can see it too. Jesus, we thank you that even in dark and scary times, we have a hope and a future with you. We thank you that we live with a light inside of us. And we ask now more than ever that you would help us to let that light shine out so others can see it. Help us to live in a way that we direct people to the light so they can know the light of the world. In Jesus' name we pray.